Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Real growers use True North Equipment, the premier provider of John Deere products and services. Schedule your post-harvest equipment inspection today so your equipment is prepared for go time. True North Equipment is offering no payments, no interest financing on inspections, parts, and services until November 2023. Minimum $200 purchase for inspections of tractors, combines, seating, hay, and windrowers, and spraying. Schedule today on the My True North customer portal at truenorthequipment.com. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. Breaking news out of college football. We'll talk about the college football playoff expansion. We're going to talk NBA playoffs and coaching vacancies with Jamal Simmons from the Belly Up Sports. Then we're also going to talk some NFL football, some crazy stuff out of Houston, and a lot going on with baseball and rule breaking and cheating. We're going to talk about that, and we're going to close out the episode today with predictions for UFC 263. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome in to another edition of the Sports Stove Podcast with me once again is the original Sports Stove, my dad, Dale Stover, back with us again today. And, uh, dad's up in Ohio and dad, you said you got some of the, uh, the crazy cicadas, uh, you're meeting up with during, during your day. Yeah. They're moving in quite a bit. Makes it exciting out on the road. (laughs) All right. So we've got a lot to get to, but before we get to that, first of all, we need to talk about those who help us out on the podcast. And, uh, why don't you tell our listeners about Yeti coolers? Yeah, Yeti coolers, they're at home on the dock, in the boat, at the ranch, uh, out in the blind, anywhere. And the new Tundra 65 is no exception to that. It can take care of holding your game out in the field, keeping it cool, or taking care of your drinks and your food for your backyard barbecue. And very versatile, and there's a lot of room uh, in this cooler. You can It holds up limit of redfish or your prize brisket without even breaking a sweat. And you can get your cooler customized with your favorite college logo or Major League Baseball team. So that's a great deal there. Just uh, click on the link in the YouTube comments or on the podcast notes, and that way they'll know you cooked up this great deal on the sports stove. 
All right, wonderful. And uh, yeah, YouTube in the, well, I, I I didn't change the read for you, Dad. Uh, in the YouTube description is where you'll find the link, but also in the podcast notes uh, there. And uh, we sure appreciate Yeti coolers. We're actually working, Dad, I haven't even told this to you yet. Um, we're working on a, a new sponsor as well. If we can finish this up and wrap it up, uh, it'll be uh, very exciting. But nonetheless, we are thankful for what we do have and Yeti coolers. And we'll talk about Skull Candy later in the episode as well. Dad, let's start with the breaking news of the day. College football. Uh, you know, college football is, is massive, especially where, you know, we spent a lot of time in Tennessee. I'm in Kentucky and Ohio now. It's a different kind of football. It's second tier, you know, Big Ten football over the SEC. But um, the college football playoffs uh, announced uh, or it was announced the day that they are meeting and considering expanding the playoffs to a 12-team playoff. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts. It's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season, make this December one to remember. Together, click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts. It's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season, make this December one to remember. Together, click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Do you have the um, the information in front of you? Yes, I, I, I do. Um, Give us a rundown. It'd be, it'd be 12 teams. They would take the six highest ranked. And of course, they'll do the rankings, the NCAA will, but the six highest conference champions and then the next six highest highest ranked teams. And Adam Warrior make up the 12. There'll be no automatic bids and there'll be no limit on how many teams one conference can have. So it'll be the rankings, and ideally you'll come closer to having the 12 best teams, and it won't be somebody comes in. There it is interesting with the six conferences, the Power Five, you know, that takes that situation out, and um, definitely be some other conferences involved. Uh, interesting, too, the way they're going to play the games. The four, top four seeds will get a bye, and uh, then they'll have eight teams play. Uh, they'll play at uh, home site of the highest rank, highest ranked team. Then the quarterfinals and semifinals will be in bowl games, which I would assume would mean some of the smaller bowls, unless they move bowls around for the quarterfinals, and then the finals will be in a neutral site. One of the other things that was brought up, and I don't I don't have it in front of me on who said it, uh, who pointed it out at least, the way it's set up with the first four teams that get the bye. Um, is included in those from the six conference championships, uh, which means an independent team cannot get a bye in the first round of the playoffs. Notre Dame, for instance, unless they join up with a conference, they can make the playoffs still, but they do not get one of those top four seeds because the top four seeds are the top four conference 
um, champions. So that's really intriguing. And, of course, Notre Dame could join uh, the ACC again for football and stuff like that, and I'm guessing that's what they're going to do. But that's another question. We'll have to bring on our Notre Dame insider at some point in time to get his thoughts on that as well. But uh, that's really intriguing. And you're right, the idea that they'll have the – um, the bowl games involved in this playoff. Now you're going to get other, other bowls that in the past were not part of the, uh, the, the playoffs and the championship. Now they're going to be included and have opportunity. I don't know how low those bowls would go because you're only talking about what at that point it would be four games, five games, six games, something like that. Four, four, four games. games. Yeah. So you're not going to go too low in the bowls, um, to get, to get those. I don't think. Um, but that'll be interesting. That'll be something for those bowls to vie for. And then they say the, uh, the championship game was it the championship game is going to be on January the first. Um, or the playoff game first, first round of the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. They, it'll be roughly, I think the same date. They're still going to work all that out if this gets approved as far as uh, dates are concerned, but it would stay basically the same. When you talk about the bowls, it could be a lesser either. Some of the bigger bowls, everybody wanted to be on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve. They would have to move off of that to host one of these quarterfinal games, which might be worth their while to do that, or it could be in a lesser bowl. All right, so um, it's being reported the quarterfinals will be held on January 1st, unless that's a Sunday, then it'll be on January 2nd. Um, semis and title games dates will be determined. The playoff bracket would follow the selection committee's rankings and not be modified to avoid rematches. No reseeding of the brackets. So once it's set, it's set and, uh, they will go on through from there. So, uh, so that puts a lot of excitement there on January the 1st, the quarterfinals being played, uh, there. The first round will happen in a two week period after the conference title game. So they'll start pretty fast. And, uh, get rolling through there as well. That's exciting. Um, you know, it's, people have been calling for, I think 2023 is the first year they'd be able to do this. Um, so we're not, it's not happening this year, but, um, to see that growth, cause last year the conversation was around the coastal Carolinas, the Cincinnati's, where in this setup, the, the, what we're talking about, they would have been in the playoffs. They were in that top six as conference champions and higher ranked than some other conference champions. So it's not all Power 5 conference champions. It's just the top ranked conference champions that are there. So that's interesting. Dad, last year you were you brought up the idea of um, a, a, a weekend of football that included the people who should have been included in the playoffs but were not invited, the Coastal Carolinas, uh, Liberty maybe, Cincinnati. I don't remember all the teams now that were there. Um, but you mentioned that last year. The fans would like to see these these people play, and with this setup, it seems like that might be headed down the road fast. Does this change if it goes into place, which we assume it will? Does this hurt the regular season for college football, or does it actually help the regular season for college football? I think it would help the regular season because more people now can get in, so more people will be playing right up to the end, even if you're not a team in one of the big conferences um, like the you know, SEC or the Big Ten that's not going to get in the championship game um, yet really will want to win their last two or three games because they could end up being 
the seventh seed in this. And um, so I, I think it will help. Um, it'll be interesting to see when they put this together. One thing you'd be bringing up about Notre Dame, but there are, uh, what I understand, there are four committee members that are uh, doing the proposal for this. And one of those is a Notre Dame guy. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't think, you know, I, I, I don't know how that will work for sure. And I wasn't sure if they were going to rank them on how they're ranked or if the top four had to be conference champions. Um, but that's what gets you in. So I'm not sure. But they said that if it goes through and the rest of the committee, they said they figured other people on the committee might have some other ideas. But uh, if this goes through, then they'll start pretty quick trying to work out um, the details. But I think it's better. I think the Power Five thing, it got to where really was hard on all the other schools. Ever, you know, you really had a, a second tier. And some of the teams in the Power Five conferences aren't that good. Um, <laughs> we know of an SEC team like that. But anyhow, um, you know, that's the way it is. So um, I think this will, I think this would be a good thing. I'm surprised they're going to this many. Um, the NCAA, I thought, well, you know, it'll go from four, maybe to six maybe to eight, but I, you know, this is a wide open proposal and um, it sounds like it's got a workable plan to it still involves the bowls. And I do think it would help the season and it's going to make the NCAA a lot of money. And, and you got a lot more fans that are going to stay interested in college football longer, just like the NFL. Um, You know, a lot more people interested the first week or two till their team gets out of it. And that'd be the way here. <laughs> well, and you know, you talked about surprise that it's that going all the way to twelve teams. What it does is it still rewards winning your conference championship. Whereas if you went to six teams, you know, you win your conference championship, but you've lost three games, you may not get rewarded for that in a six team playoff. But if you go to twelve teams, then you can reward conference championships. And that's why it's currently being set up as those first four are going to be conference champions. It is a um, just that building on the fact that if you if you win a conference, you should be rewarded for it, and that's how they're going to do it. I I have no doubt that Notre Dame will find a way. I mean, again, last year they joined the ACC to uh, to fit into the the regulations and get a schedule and all that kind of stuff. There's plenty of ways to do it. Uh, you know, ACC has been vying for Notre Dame for a while now. The Big Ten, I'm sure, would be wide open to invite them as well. But nonetheless, uh, I don't think there's too much concern about that. Notre Dame, especially if they're involved in this writing of the the, the idea, the plan, I'm sure they have in the back of their mind what they're going to do to make sure it, they have an advantage as well as the other schools do. So college football making some news and uh, getting us a little extra excited for college football season, even though it won't go into effect this year. Um, you know, right now, Kentucky here in Lexington, they've had uh, a few guys. They just got a big transfer from Ole Miss, and so everything's a buzz about college football right now. But uh, wait till we get a, a video of a basketball player dunking, and then it'll all go back to that, at least here in Lexington, uh, nonetheless. Speaking of basketball, that brings us to our next segment today. And uh, we are bringing on with us a writer from BellyUpSports.com, covering in the NBA, Jamal Simmons. Hey, Jamal, how you doing? 
Hey guys, good, great to be on the show, and thanks for having me. Hey, glad to have you. Wearing the Broncos gear, we're going to get to them maybe a little later in the, in the the podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, thank you for joining us. I want to start with the uh, NBA playoffs, and um, it's it's intriguing to see where things are going here in the second round. Phoenix uh, is in control in their series. I promised Kevin Wilson from Belly Up uh, Fantasy Baseball that we would talk some jazz today. So he says they're not getting appreciated. So let's start with Utah. Let's get it out of the way. Uh, let's talk with Utah and uh, the Clippers series. Um, what, do you, what, what do you got going on there? What do you think about how this series is going to play out? So I think game one was very interesting in how you have a contrast between rest for the jazz and, and also the kind of adrenaline rush that the Clippers were having after winning game seven against Dallas. And the question was, who was going to, which one was going to prevail? And I think early on, we saw we saw the Clippers were really starting to take advantage of still having that adrenaline rush, and were able to race out to, I think, a twelve point lead early in the first half. But then, as they, I think, as the game wore on, I think Donovan Mitchell really took it upon himself to carry Utah to where he needs to be. And it's to me, it's hard, it's hard to fathom that he now has tied Carl Malone for the most 40-point games in Utah playoff history, which is insane to think about. Yeah. Well, so I think it's going to be very interesting to see how the Clippers will respond in game two tonight. But I think Utah sent an early match is that they're not going to be pushed around. They're not going to be a rollover for this uh, Clippers team. But it, I think game two will really say a lot about both teams. Um, who's Who has the better coach between Utah and the Clippers? Ooh, that's tough. I mean, because you on one side you have Quinn Snyder, who was a possible coach of the year for Utah, but you also have a champion in Ty Lue, even though it was mainly LeBron's um, <laughs> exploits on that matter. So it's going to be – I think it will, will be interesting to see when we go to – when the series shifts to L.A. I think that's where coaching will really start to play um, a real part in this series. I don't think we've really seen the big adjustments yet. But I think one thing to point – to point out for tonight, I think you would look at maybe the Clippers using Kawhi Leonard more on Donovan Mitchell to at least not stop him, but at least slow him down. Is Are the Clippers the more talented roster in that series? They are the most talented, but I think Utah might be the better team right now. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I think that's a, a, a good assessment for sure. Rudy Gobert wins Defensive Player of the Year. Is that uh, is he the most deserving player this year to win Defensive Player of the Year? I might not say maybe the most deserving, but he certainly is up there. I mean, there hasn't really been a presence in the middle for any other team more than Utah that he has been. But as far as really a Defensive Player of the Year, uh, another winner, I, I personally I would have went with Ben Simmons for what he's done on perimeter. And I think he'll really get a chance to showcase what he can do come tomorrow night against Atlanta going against Trey Young. A lot of times stars are known for not playing defense and playing offense. Ben Simmons does the exact opposite. He doesn't play offense, but he plays defense. <laughs> um, I'm not a Ben Simmons fan, needless to say. The 76ers and Hawks are tied up at one apiece. You know, going into this series, the, my mindset was, well, the 76ers – they should beat Atlanta. I like Atlanta's roster. Mm-hmm. They're young and unproven, though. Um, is Philadelphia going to be able to go ahead and take care of Atlanta, or is Atlanta going to be that pesky team that just doesn't go away? I have. I actually have a bold take. I think this series might just go seven games. And uh-huh. the reason why I say that, as a matter of fact, the guys on TNT actually brought up a great point. 
that while Joel Embiid has the paint presence and the dominance over Atlanta's big men, other than Clint Capella, they really do not have an answer for him. Atlanta has the better perimeter players. When you think about Bogdanovich, um, Daniel Gallinari, um, Hooter, the big, I think the big loss though will be Hunter. He's, he's done for the season. I think that'll be a big loss, but I think as long as they have Trey young and he continues to play the way he's playing in this postseason, I give Atlanta a puncher's chance, but I still think in the end Philadelphia will get it done because no one has an answer for Joel Embiid. Yeah, and I'm not a, I'm not an Embiid fan either, but um, so I, I really hate the 76ers, but nonetheless, uh, <laughs> I I do not deny the fact that the talent is there. It's just a matter of getting it working together. Doc Rivers, you would think, would be the guy to do that. Uh, there in Philadelphia, Milwaukee and Brooklyn, as we record, uh, well, we're live, but also later on, people will listen to us on the podcast. The game is already in the second quarter. Bucks lead 30 to 18. Brooklyn up on the series 2-0. Everybody knows Brooklyn's talent level. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Giannis, man, he's, this was a, a, a legacy building opportunity for him against Brooklyn, in my opinion. Yes. Does Milwaukee have any chance to beat Brooklyn? Yes, but it starts tonight. If they lose tonight, you might as well kiss those chances goodbye. So Giannis and Milton, they really have to put their stamp not only on just this game, but for the rest of the series because there are the two guys to really get Milwaukee going. And, of course, the addition of Drew Holiday was supposed to really give them that added scoring punch at the point guard position that they haven't had the last couple of years. So it's going to be incumbent on them. Of course, on in tonight's game three, they got off to a great start, but can they sustain it? for the rest of the 48 minutes against a Brooklyn team that just seems to come at you from every angle. So if Milwaukee wants any chance, they have to get it done tonight. Yeah. You know, I said last week um, on a podcast, we just, this is Drew holiday has to earn his contract in this series. I mean, he's, you know, I thought he's, he's, they gave up too much for him. Um, well, I like him. I like him as a player. I think, you know, he's a good fit in Milwaukee and all this kind of stuff, but they gave up a lot to get him and, as much as they need his scoring, this is a series they got to have his defense. And now with Harden injured, you know, if you can contain Kyrie, if you can hold him to 22, 25 points, then you got a shot to win. But, I but agree. he's going to have to earn that contract, uh, and he's going to have to do it, uh, under a lot of pressure. Phoenix is playing like a one seed. They're not a one seed, but they're playing like it. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had, uh, I love their season. Monty Williams has done phenomenal last year in the the bubble. What they did there was incredible. Great season this year. They add Chris Paul. Chris Paul though has never won when it when it really counts. Um, so what is Phoenix doing? First of all, do you think they finish off the Nuggets? And then secondly, because um, I'm assuming I know your answer, but secondly, uh, <laughs> do they have enough to to go on to the uh, NBA Finals this year? So it it pains me as a Nuggets fan to watch the, the watch to watch the first two games. That was painful to watch, especially Game Two. I think I turned it off after the third quarter because it was it was getting <laughs> abysmal. But to go back on your point about Phoenix, this I think is a team that everybody really has been sleeping on the entire season, and everybody thought that their bubble run was a fluke last year. But I will remind people that the teams that they beat in the bubble. They were no slouches. They beat the Clippers. They beat Dallas, I think, twice. They beat San Antonio. So it wasn't like they were taking on some weaker teams. I think Devin Booker has really made that turn into being a big star in this league. 
Of course, we can't forget Chris Paul's leadership and Jay Crowder's toughness that they brought. But then you got the young guys and DeAndre Ayton, Miles Bridges uh, coming up. Uh, Also, um, Mikael Bridges, excuse me. And then Cameron Johnson. These guys, I think they're really starting to understand how good they really can be. And they're showing it throughout the series. And I honestly will be shocked if this series goes six games. I just don't see if Denver has enough because with Barton being basically out of the lineup since April, of course they lost Jamal Murray, which mm-hmm. was basically devastating beyond words. Jokic, uh, great as great as he is and is the MVP, I just don't know if the Nuggets have enough to keep up. Yeah, so I'll start with Phoenix. Booker has been consistent now. That was the one thing early in his career. He had these great flashes, but he wasn't always consistent. Now he is consistent. Uh, you mentioned Paul's leadership. Aiton has blown blown me away. I am yes. so impressed with what he's doing, um, how good he's been, how consistent he's been defensively, how good he's been as well. I um, mean, you know, he's not necessarily been shutting people down, but he is. He's holding his own. And when the last series against Davis. Now he's got a tough series against Jokic. For the Nuggets, you know, once Murray went down, everybody knew, you know, that kind of stakes. <laughs> that's not, it, that's it, not going to be good. Not be good for Denver. But I think it sealed Jokic, uh, his MVP, uh, at did. that point because he played phenomenal after Murray was injured and before, but after Murray's injured and me being a Kentucky fan, man, I just hated to see Murray go down. Uh, he's such a phenomenal athlete, a great player. And, uh, Denver, they seem like, I mean, they're just, they're just this close to, mm-hmm. to be in that championship team, um, and legit contenders. And, and I think with Murray, they were at the very least a contender. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe there's still a piece away. Maybe they can find a way to move some of those guys they've been trying to move. It seems like for two years now and add, add one more piece there. Uh, any prediction on uh, the beginning into the playoffs? I said, isn't it gotta be the Lakers and the Nets? <laughs> and obviously the Lakers aren't going to be in now. Uh, what Brooklyn, man, I just don't know that anybody can stop them, but, uh, what are your thoughts on NBA finals? Who's going to make it from the West and the East and ultimately who's going to be the champ? So, uh, I think right now, based on what's already happened, I actually have a bold take. I think okay. it's going to be the Nets out of the East, and I think it's going to be the Suns out of the West. Okay. So I think that would be my finals preview right there. Wouldn't it be great to have uh, Steve Nash and Dan Tony uh, there against Phoenix? Um, you know, I was, I'm, I was a Phoenix fan growing up. And love the D'Antoni years and the Nash years and those kind of things. And they were so close. They're kind of like that Denver team. Uh, yes. and you know, and had it not been coming off the, the bench and getting suspended and the cheap shots and whatnot, maybe they would have had their title, but they didn't. So I think that would be really cool to see Nash and, uh, Mike D'Antoni against Phoenix in the championship. Uh, that'd be fun. Fun for sure. Um, I want to talk real quick about the coaching vacancies in the NBA right now. Uh, you've got Orlando. You've got Portland, Indiana, and Boston are the openings right now. We're going to, unless you have something great on Orlando, we're not going to talk much about them today as they are in the rebuild. Um, out of those three jobs, they're honestly out of uh, Portland, Indiana, and Boston. All three of them are actually really good jobs, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, who do you think is the, the, the best job available right now? Ooh, that's tough. I mean... Based on what I've seen throughout these playoffs and actually the last couple of years, I think the best job, honestly, would be Portland because of all the talent they have. Mm-hmm. But as I stated throughout their first-round series against Denver, like they have great offense, but they can't even stop a nosebleed. So 
that would be the one concern there. Of course, in Indiana, you have um, Sabonis there, and you have Chris Laver coming off the scary, the scary um, heart incident. Hopefully, he's doing all right. But I think that'd be really intriguing for folks to at least take a look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Boston is—I wouldn't say that they're um, in a state of flux, but they definitely have some decisions to make as far as Jalen Brown and uh, Kevin Kemba Walker as all as well. So I think really the best job right now will probably be Portland, but you're going to have to do. A, there's going to be a lot of retooling as far as that re, that um, roster is concerned because I'm not sure what they're going to do about Melo uh, and his cancer and also uh, Norman Powell. They're they're all free agents, so it's really going to be interesting to see what they do come, this coming off season. Yeah, and there's a lot of conversation about maybe C.J. McCollum getting traded uh, mm-hmm. in Portland as well. Of course, there's been some talk about Lillard, but I think that's from the fan bases that want Lillard. I don't think that's yes. coming from Portland. Uh, so as the roster sits currently, yeah, Portland's a great position. Um, they need to get a coach before they start making moves and stuff so they know what's going on there. Indiana, you talked about, you know, Sabonis is really, he's proven himself as one of the top uh, big men in the league right now, not the top, definitely, but he's up there. And mm-hmm. then, uh, and then you got Brogdon, who's an interesting, interesting player as well. Karis Levert, the shooter, and there's some, and you have a fan base that's pretty solid there in Indianapolis as well. And then Boston, you know, Tatum and Brown, if they're both still there, you're talking about Marcus Smart. I think Smart's a free agent this year. Um, and they don't have a, they don't have a big man. They need a big man in, in Boston as well. And you're right. You don't have any idea. What kind of front office guy Brad Stevens is going to be? Mm-hmm. Um, what direction they're looking to go? Indiana did come out and say they're looking for an experienced coach. Um, they're not wanting a newcomer in. My first thought went to Jason Kidd. Um, you know, Kidd came out very quick and said, I, "I'm not taking the Portland job. I don't want to be considered for the Portland job." My thought was he's already got a promise from somebody, whether it be Boston. Whether it be L.A., if for some reason they moved on from Vogel, I'd be surprised if that was the case. But right. um, you know, we've heard LeBron; he really likes Jason Kidd. So you never LeBron's gotten coaches fired before. So, um, well, I do. I do have one name I think would be very interesting for Indiana. I think that would be Terry Stotts. I think that would be a very interesting fit there. He's a great coach. Um, yeah, I like that. And that's I like that a lot actually. Uh, what are these other young guys out there? There's been a lot of talk about Chauncey Billups, of course, mm-hmm. um, as an option. Um, you think you got to look at, see, I've heard Sam Cassell's name come up as well. So these retired point guards and things like that. Are there any other up and comers, you know, that, uh, we should be watching out for? Those were really the two names that I was focusing on, Chauncey Billups and Sam, uh, Sam Cassell. But I think another guy who I wish would get another chance, um, as far as coaching wise, I think Alvin Gentry. Um, he has been one of the more respected guys in the league. I think he got a raw deal uh, with Memphis all those years ago. I think he deserves another chance. But I do want to I do want to give a shout out to um, Nick McMillan of Atlanta for what he's yep. done for the turnaround there. I think Indiana did a raw service to him, literally giving him an extension and then firing him after they got swept by Miami, which was blasphemy to me. Yeah. But I think Indiana now. I think. Indiana, if they had a chance to do it over again, I think they would do things a little bit different. 100% for sure. Uh, Mike D'Antoni is the other name that keeps popping up there. Portland uh, has been connected to D'Antoni, uh, which I think, man, again, you're, you're not going to get any defense out of them. But, but D'Antoni in Portland with Dame Lillard, C.J. McCollum, uh, Covington, Nurkic, that would be a, an interesting 
interesting thing as well. Uh, all right, last question for you. Like we said, right now the Bucks, uh, well, the Nets are coming back. It's 32 26 um, right now. Their uh, Jazz and Clippers play later on tonight. By the time most people listen to it, it'll be over. But give me a prediction tonight. Can the Clippers even the series, or is, are the Jazz going to uh, hold on to home court? So I think the Clippers will even the series tonight, but it's all going to depend on Paul George. He cannot go four for 17 as he did in game one. And honestly, I think now that I actually got to saw him a little bit in game one, I think Ty Lue needs to play DeMarcus Cousins a little bit more. Yeah, boy. Give him a little small smart spark there, and I think you could actually give Gobert a little bit of trouble actually pulling him away from the baskets because he can shoot the three. And he can also drive around him. So I think that's something that Ty Lue will, will employ a little bit. But if anything else, they have to defend the pick and roll better against uh, Mitchell. Because if they keep having Kennard coming out on that hedge, he's going to be eating all night. And he might he might get 50 this time around. <laughs> it's very possible. We are the Sports Stove Podcast is strong supporters of Boogie Cousins. And uh, <laughs> me and Dad, we had better seats than Jay Cutler. Watching Kentucky and Vanderbilt, John Wall and Demarcus Cousins year, and uh, I mean Cutler was like twenty rows behind us, so we were we were living it up that night. Boogie was one of the most entertaining college basketball players um, ever, especially come through Kentucky, and I uh, would love to see him get some more run there with the Clippers and maybe turn that into a decent contract coming into next year with somebody, uh, maybe the Knicks. Uh, I don't know, somebody, uh, somebody as well. Uh, Jamal Simmons, uh, where can everybody find you at, uh, social media or find your writings? So the, my Twitter handle is here on the screen um, below. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram as well. Still trying to build up uh, most of the profiles, but I think we're starting to find some good footing. But those are most of the sites we have a lot of fun when we're talking um, ball. So whenever you want to come out and listen, please do. It's always a ball when we're on. Midweek, mid-range, 8 o'clock, uh, no, 9 o'clock on Wednesday nights, correct? 9 o'clock Eastern? Mm-hmm. On Wednesday nights, uh, we've had Parker on before as well, and uh, Parker's on there most weeks also. So wonderful. Jamal, thank you for taking the time uh, to talk some NBA with us today, and uh, we'll talk to you again, I'm sure, down the road. Thank you. And once again, guys, thank you for having me. It's, it was, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> it was awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Jamal. All right. That's the NBA from Jamal Simmons. Again, you can find his stuff on bellyupsports.com. And uh, sure appreciate that. If you're listening to us today, Dad, it is uh, possible for you to enhance your listening experience through the help of Skull Candy. So, Dad, if you wouldn't mind, tell the listeners about Skull Candy. Yes, if you're looking for true wireless freedom or total musical immersion, now's the time to score great deals on Skull Candy Audio. You have the... um, Dime True Wireless Earbuds for only $24.99 or the Shesh Evo True Wireless Earbuds for a discounted $39.99. And other great deals there are Skull Candy. Just click on the link on the YouTube description or in the podcast notes to find these great deals. All right, Dad, let's get to some NFL news. Uh, the Houston Texans. Had an intriguing announcement uh, that came out. They are canceling their mini camp as the new coach came out and said, we have accomplished everything we want to accomplish. Uh, he says that they had great attendance uh, in the OTAs. And at the end of the day, they don't, he didn't say this, but they don't need no mini camp. So Houston Texans, a brand new coach 
never been a head coach before in the NFL. Then you've got a brand new quarterback, at least in the system. Um, you know, what, what's happening in Houston? What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on the canceling of minicamp? Well, I, I mean, it's baffling. I mean, I don't understand that at all. Um, you know, I keep up with um, a lot of teams, and especially the Packers, and everything they talk about is every rep is so important for mm-hmm. the young guys, um, for the team to be able to evaluate guys, for everything there, the reps and reps in the mini camp, um, you know, were very valuable there. So the idea, and like I said, it's a new coach, it's a new system. Um, I have no idea what the deal is going on there. There obviously must be something, but I mean, they've got players that they're going to have this year. Um, you would think, you know, they would work with them um, from there. I know their quarterback situation's a little bit um, in flux, and I'm sure that affects it some. But um, like I said, if he's not there, they're going to have to go with someone. So the idea of you've accomplished everything you need to, um, I, that, you know, now that doesn't make any sense. I assume their OTA, I assume they did a lot of virtual stuff like most teams did. Maybe they've had more people in house longer. I don't know, but still seems like you would take advantage of every opportunity, um, that, um, you know, the player association affords you. Yeah. They had over 90% of the players in house. Um, but you got David Coley is the new head coach. Then you've got, uh, Tarod Taylor as the, everyone assumes starting quarterback. They drafted Mills out of Stanford as well. And you look at Green Bay, they're loving at the very, the one thing they love about the Aaron Rodgers situation is Jordan Love is getting all of the work right now. He's getting just tons of reps. You would think, like you said already, every rep counts. Every, every rep helps. And to not give Mills more reps, to not give Terod Taylor more reps in the system blows my mind. One person, Clint Storner, uh, former player, he suggested maybe there was a deal made with the veterans before everything happened. Hey, if we get this many people in, um, then we'll go ahead and cancel this. I don't know. Maybe it's a way to not find Deshaun Watson. I, I have no idea what the situation is um, in Houston, but I will tell you, um, well, let's just, let's just open the conversation. They're already in full tank mode. They're, they're looking for the number one pick next year. They're going to be bad. We already know that. And now they're not even going to know the system come the preseason because they haven't had enough practice time. So, um, Houston, uh, you could just call them the Houston tankings because that's what they're doing, uh, instead of the Houston Texans. Boy, that was really clever, dad. I'm, I'm proud of myself. Uh, um, outside of that, let's move on to baseball and the conversation going on in baseball. Uh, last week, a lot of information came out about foreign substances, pitchers using uh, different sticky objects to help them throw uh, the ball with more rotation. And we saw uh, Garrett Cole, we saw Trevor Bauer, both. As soon as this news came out, both of them had bad games. Um, and, uh, and there's a lot of talk about it. With that, uh, Pete Alonso comes out from the New York Mets this week, and he says, listen, I, I don't think it's a problem that they're doing it. They should be allowed to do it. He says, as a matter of fact, the main problem is Major League Baseball consistently messing with the balls. 
juicing them last year, changing the stitching this year. And he says, you know, Major League Baseball messes with the ball so much, why should we care if the pitchers are doing something to help them out along the way? Baseball has a long history of cheating, of uh, looking past certain people cheating, (laughs) uh, things like that as well. Dad, what are your thoughts on the whole situation, the foreign substances by the pitchers and Pete Alonso's thoughts? Well, the, the foreign substance thing, I mean, as you know, I'm never a big fan of having a rule that you either can't or won't enforce. So I think that's always confusing, and that's one thing that's been true in baseball. And it's true probably in some other sports too. You know, well, that's against the rules, but, you know, we're not going to call that a lot or we're not going to do that. Um, when they came out about the foreign substance thing, it was interesting because the idea of checking more Baseball had a real problem they've addressed lately about the games being too long and things being too slow. So now if you're going to check pitchers several times a game, um, it sounded like if an umpire was really on top of it and had a plan, he could do it and it wouldn't take a lot of time. Um, But again, as I read about it, you know, there's at least three or four spots, you know, the, the hat, the belt, the glove, the webbing, I mean, there's things you have to check um, if you're going to do that. And like you said, sometimes they look past certain people because obviously they're going to check somebody more than somebody else. Um, Now, you would think the officials or the umpires out on the bases would keep an eye on it, um, but you're going to have coaches make a deal. So it seemed like that way of trying to enforce it, I'm not sure that's going to help the game any. Uh, the idea that, you know, the comments about um, conspiracy theory and they're trying to do things to, you know, hurt free agents, um, I, I don't know. You know, baseball's reputation, you know, is not pearly white. Um, so, you know, you know, what is going on and not a good relationship with the players and the owners, um, you know, everything could easily be headed for another work stoppage, and, um, you know, there's not goodwill among everybody. Uh, I was surprised to hear a batter say, hey, let the pitchers do that. That's okay. Uh, But his deal was it's safety, and they're throwing so hard, you know, I don't want it slipping out on a guy. So that that was interesting there. And, of course, he was very point blank about it. You know, do other players think, well, it's a fact. Well, so, um, I don't know. You know, just when baseball kind of get things going, um, you know, there's 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 always problems there. And, um, you know, they don't have everybody back in the stands yet. Um, I don't know. I don't know where baseball is. Um, there's some good baseball and exciting races going on. Yeah. So Major League Baseball is the worst run of the major sports out there. Um it's just not done well. They, they dropped the ball last year during the COVID shutdowns. They had an opportunity to be the sport out there. Instead, they waited till everybody else was going before they got started. And then this constant fighting between the players union and the league, it's just not good. And we've watched them overlook cheating several times. And then all of a sudden they try to, 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 uh, you know, get harsh and, and, you know, we're going to suspend you 10 games and all this kind of stuff out of nowhere. It's like, well, you know, you haven't done anything to this point, so why are you doing something now? You mentioned it, though. Good races out there. Let's talk about that. 
in the East, Boston is a game and a half behind Tampa. In the AL Central, the White Sox lead the the Indians uh, by four runs or four runs by four games. And in the AL West, Houston and Oakland are very close. Uh, Houston one game back on Oakland. Um, I'm interested to get your opinion out of the the three teams on top right now: Tampa, Chicago, and Oakland. Which of those three teams will not end up in first place in their division when the season is over? Um, I would say if it's going to be one, they could all three be in first place, but um, I would say Oakland. Yeah, I think Chicago's got a really good team. I think they're going to keep going. Um, you know, now Tampa, you know, it goes back and forth with Boston and everything, but you know, they play a great brand of baseball and you know, they did well last year. So if I had to pick one of the three, um, and I, I, you know, I think Oakland's doing well. But again, you got Houston right there. I would say I'd have to answer that question. Pick Oakland. Yeah, and it's it's more because of Houston than it is Oakland. Um, but yeah, definitely. Then in the National League, the Mets lead uh, the Phillies by three and a half games. Atlanta by four. Milwaukee and Chicago tied at the top of the Central with St. Louis three games back. San Francisco still on top in the West. Uh, Dodgers a game and a half back, San Diego two and a half back. Uh, same question for the National League. Who is on top now that will not be on top at the end of the season? Oh, we had our weekly uh, dropping of dad there on the, uh, uh, the, for whatever reason, he always drops out about this, this time in the show. He'll be back with us in just a second. Looking at the National League, um, you know, the East has been so bad to start the season, only one team above 500. And you're talking about teams like the Mets, the Phillies, uh, the Braves and the Nationals. Um, the Nationals in Miami are both seven, seven and a half games back right now. So the Nationals seem to be out of it, but, um, that division has not been strong to this point. The Mets though are, are currently leading. Central is wide open as well. You got Milwaukee. And Chicago currently battling it out at the top, but St. Louis has been there as well. Uh, all right, we got Dad back with us now, so I'll ask the question again. In the National League, which team that is currently on top, the Mets, the Brewers, and Cubs, or the Giants, will not be in first come the end of the season? Well, um, strangely enough, there's probably a chance all three of them uh, will not be. Of course, the Central is very close right now. Um, so it's hard to say. I think, you know, again, between Chicago, Milwaukee, and St. Louis, you know, everybody's going to rotate around there. Um, I'm so excited that the Giants are doing well, but I don't know what they can hold on. They are playing well, though. Um, it's not a matter of the Dodgers and um, the Padres playing poorly. Um, they all have good records there. Um, but I don't know what the Giants, I think the Giants can make the playoffs. I don't know that they'll win the division. Um, right now, the Mets are stronger over there. You know, a couple teams we thought would do well. Um, Philadelphia and Atlanta have not. Um, so, but the Mets look in good shape right now. But, um, I think that one's wide open. You know, um, you know, we get the all-star break. Maybe we'll have a little better idea, but, uh, we'll see. No one has scored less runs in the National League than the New York Mets. New York Mets have 209 runs scored. 
Uh, uh, next is Pittsburgh with 213 runs scored. So the Mets are the worst offensive team currently in, uh, I'm looking in Major League Baseball. They're the worst team in Major League Baseball right now as far as runs scored goes, but they don't give up runs either. 192 runs against. Also, that one is best in the league, uh, as DeGrom has been a major reason for that, of course, but they're not scoring runs and you're going to have to score runs at some point in time. So maybe Philadelphia or Atlanta catches them. You're right in the central. I've said from the beginning of the season, I think St. Louis wins that division. I'm happy that Milwaukee's on top right now. And then San Francisco, again, it's kind of like that Oakland Houston. It's not so much about San Francisco as it is the Dodgers. I mean, you're talking about runs scored. The Dodgers have scored 30 more runs than San Francisco this year. And, uh, San Francisco has allowed less runs. So that's positive for San Francisco, but, uh, the Dodgers and the Padres both really good. Uh, hard to see San Francisco holding on, uh, there. Uh, surprises so far in the standings right now. The obvious ones bad as far as bad records go is Minnesota. They've been just, uh, incredibly bad this year. Um, what team though has stood out to you as a surprise in Major League Baseball this year? Well, I mean, obviously the Giants, I think to an extent, and the Red Sox, as you have said before, most of those have done um, much better. Kansas City, why they're not right in the thick right now, uh, I think was better than we thought they would be and what most people thought uh, they would be. I don't know if people thought the Cubs were going to be up there at the top uh, right now either. So um, as far as doing well, like you said, Minnesota is probably the one that's disappointing. Uh, but I look today and the worst record or, or the lowest team in Baseball is Arizona, and I don't think that was what you were thinking either um, from there. So, again, it's about where it was the last time we looked at this, 15 above 500, 15 below 500, just three teams, 600 or above. Um, so, again, I think it'll be interesting this month, and it'll be real interesting when we get to the All-Star break uh, and, and see where it is from there. Uh, we'll be having Kevin Wilson on with us, fantasy baseball writer for bellyupsports.com. That'll probably be in two weeks. Next week's going to be a pretty busy week. So I'm not sure that we'll get midweek, uh, episodes, Tuesday and Thursday episodes next week or not, but, uh, we will be back on Sunday, four o'clock in the afternoon, uh, more than likely be back here live on YouTube. And then of course the podcast version as well. Dad, I want to close out the uh, episode and talk some. UFC, a massive card this weekend, UFC 263, uh, two different belts on the line, the middleweight belt, uh, Israel Adesanya and Marvin Vittori. Of course, Adesanya is the champ currently. Then uh, Davison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno uh, going for the flyweight belt. Then on top of that, some big names on the card, Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz, Damian Maya versus Bilal Muhammad. Uh, the Paul Craig, Jamal Hill fight actually should be pretty interesting. And Drew Dober, Brad Riddell, uh, there as well, all going to be interesting fights. Those, um, Dober and Riddell will be kind of the main event on the undercard or the prelims, uh, there as well. So I'm just going to give my picks real quick. And, uh, these are guaranteed to be correct, 
of course, as always. Uh, Israel Adesanya, he is the favorite over Vittori. A lot of people are like, boy, I think you got to watch out for Marvin Vittori. Sure you do, but Israel Adesanya may be the best ever before it's all said and done if he stays in his white weight class. He is coming off as a loss, but that loss was when he moved up a weight class. So I think Israel Adesanya takes care of Marvin Vittori, I'll say, in the third round on Saturday. Between Davison Figueroa and Brandon Moreno, uh, Figueroa, the champ, is the favorite, and we'll lean with that as well. Uh, we'll go Davison Figueroa. Uh, we'll give it to him in the second round over Brandon Moreno. Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz. The fans like Nate Diaz, but Leon Edwards is too good of a fighter. Leon Edwards, the massive favorite, will beat Nate Diaz and get himself a title shot in the welterweight division. Uh, Bilal Muhammad, the favorite over Damian Maya, and I understand why, but Muhammad, I think, is overrated. So we're going to go with the savvy vet, 42-year-old Damian Maya, the underdog over Bilal Muhammad. And then in the first fight of the main card, J- Jamal Hill versus Paul Craig. Hill, the favorite, he is undefeated, 8-0 as a professional. Uh, Paul Craig, 14-4-1. We are going to go with the favorite in that one, Jamal Hill as well. A few other fun ones for you. Uh, we'll go Riddell over Dober. We'll go Eric Anders over Darren Stewart as well. There are several other good fights in there. I was going to highlight some Canadian fighters since we've had two Canadians on the show uh, this week, but I didn't have time to do enough research on them to give you a uh, a, a studied uh, opinion on that. So UFC 263, it's on pay-per-view. Uh, I will not watch it live because I'm not going to pay for it, but uh, we will uh, see the end results there and an absolutely stacked card for the UFC this weekend. All right, don't forget about uh, Yeti Coolers and Skull Candy. If you need a cooler or some drinkware, you can go to Yeti Coolers. Use the link in the YouTube description or the podcast notes. And Skull Candy, you can get a great set of headphones or earbuds for really reasonable prices. Um, and you know Skull Candy, they are a valued brand. You can click on the link again in the YouTube description or the podcast notes, so that way they know that the sports stove sent you. And uh, get yourself a new set of headphones or earbuds as well. Dad, this has been a fun episode. We got to talk college football. We got to talk professional football, some basketball, some UFC, some baseball. Kind of covered it all today. Uh, big shout out to Jamal Simmons. Thank you for coming on. Uh, did a great job covering uh, the NBA. Looking forward to having him back on as well. All right, Dad. Uh, the plan is Sunday. We'll be back live on YouTube, 4 o'clock Sunday afternoon. And... Uh, of course, for the podcast following that as well. And then we'll announce then what's going on the rest of the week is there's just going to be a lot happening uh, here that, uh, next week. So we'll see about that. But we've got some great guests lined up uh, coming up again um, uh, in a couple weeks and excited about what is ahead. So make sure you are subscribed. Feel free to rate, review. And if you would do us a favor and share if you enjoyed the episode today, uh, tell your friends about us as well. The Sports Stove Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Sports Stove, uh, Facebook, the Sports Stove Pod, uh, Instagram, the Sports Stove Pod. And of course, if you're watching us now, you already know, but on YouTube, Sports Stove Podcast as well. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Sports Stove Podcast tonight. Until next time, we'll see you around the Sports Stove.